In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the third Sunday of Mistra, and the Gospel today is from Mark chapter 3. And as we approach the, the Blessed Feast of Our Lady, the Holy Theotokoste Mary, the Church wants to remind us how St. Mary became St. Mary. How did St. Mary become St. Mary? St. Mary became St. Mary by continuously doing the will of God. By continuously doing the will of God. And the gospel of today is telling us, if we want to be like St. Mary, we have to do the will of God. I told you the gospel is from Mark chapter 3, but the same account can be found in, in Matthew chapter 12. And I like the Matthew chapter 12 account because it gives a little more details. And in, the, in Matthew chapter 12, it says, Someone from the crowd came to the Lord and said, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. And then the Lord replied to them, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, Here are my my mother, my brothers, for whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother, my sister, and my mother. And that's why today I want to speak to you about the will of God. The will of God. From the readings of today, we'll see that the will of God, what is the will of God for us, is to unify us together. To become part of the family of God. When we do the will of God, we become part of the family of God. And the hallmark of the family is unity. Our Lord said in the Gospel of today, if a house is divided against itself, it cannot stand. It cannot stand. The house is supposed to be unified. The house, as even was discussed yesterday in, in the vigil, is to be united. It's supposed to be an icon of heaven. And, and that's why the church as well, is, as a house, the church has to be united together. And we are to love one another. So I feel it's important that each one can look around their pews and see their brothers and sisters that are sitting next to them, in front of them, behind them, around them. And I want to ask you some questions. Do you pray for the people sitting around you? Do you serve them? Do you have fellowship with them? Do you care for them? Do you love them? Because this is the will of God. That is the will of God. St. John says in his, in his epistle, For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? The will of God to unify us together. And the will of the evil one is to divide us. And that's why St. James in his epistle in the fourth chapter of his epistle, he asks an important question. He says, Where do wars... Where do the wars and the fights come from among you? Where do the wars and the fights they come from among you? Do they not come from your desire for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and you cannot obtain. The wars, the divisions, the fights 
you think about all the fights and all the conflicts that we are in, they are the result of pride. They all stem from my like selfishness. And think of the people you're not at peace with. If you examine why you are not at peace with certain people, perhaps I think you will find lots of pride, lots of resentment, lots of bitterness. Maybe there's things that you haven't forgiven. I think today God's will is for forgiveness. God's will is for reconciliation. God's will is for us to make peace with one, uh, one another. This is the will of God. And if someone doesn't accept your peace, it's as it was written in the gospel, if you come to a house of peace, let your peace return to you. And that's why St. Paul in the Pauline epistle today, it says, Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offenses. And the ones who cause divisions and offenses, what should you do? St. Paul says you should... Avoid them. Avoid them. And St. Paul tells us to avoid a divisive person for the preservation of unity. Just as we remove like cancer from a body to preserve the other cells of the body. Unity is so important in the home and in the church. And everything we do in the church is to foster unity. Everything that we do. And... You know, we take communion. Communion is union with God. And then we have a Rabbi meal and we have fellowship to have union with each other. There's, um, there's a lot to say about unity. But one aspect of unity that I want to stress today is that unity is like one of the beautiful things about unity is the support system that it provides. And there's an African proverb, we're going to hear a couple African proverbs today, is that it takes a village to raise a child. Like one African proverb, it takes a village to raise a child. And I like this because, and this is a biblical principle, because there is strength in numbers. There is strength in numbers. There is strength when everyone is encouraging each other in their spiritual life. I read something very interesting this morning about the giant sequoia trees in California. These trees are massive. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen a sequoia. These trees, like, you can't wrap your, like, hands around. They're massive, massive trees. And interestingly, although these trees are so massive, their root system is very shallow. Very, very shallow root system. And... So the sequoia tree can't survive by itself. But what it needs to do is be like you plant, and if you see sequoia trees, they're always in a grove and they're always together. And the idea is that their root system doesn't go deep down, but it becomes like weaved together so that each one of the trees starts to support the other trees. And so I feel like this image of the sequoia trees, their roots intertwined and supporting each other, is a great image of our church. How we are all supporting each other. And maybe there's one caveat to this analogy that needs to be corrected, is that we as Christians are a little bit better than the sequoia trees, is that our roots have the potential to go very deep. And that's why even St. Paul in his epistle to Colossians, he says, to be rooted in Christ. So our roots can go deep to Christ. But perhaps there are some that their roots go very deep, and there are some 
that can't reach to that level in the ground. And so, the ones that can't reach that level, the ones who reach to Christ, what should they do? They should support the others, and then the others will eventually grow their roots down and down. And I feel that's what discipleship is so valuable in our church. If you think about what discipleship is, is usually you have a master, and the master, his root is very deep. And then you have disciples, their roots kind of shallow. But when the disciples come to the master and they become intertwined and they like spend time together and they grow together, then the roots start to, to develop and to grow and to become strong. This is the will of God for us to be connected, for us to support one another, for us to be unified, for us to bear one another's burdens. And that's why one of the beautiful things I love about our church, our church mourns together, like we had a funeral this past week, and the church was full of people mourning together. When we have graduation parties, I love to see the church so full. The church is celebrating together. The church mourns together, it celebrates together, because we are all unified we are all connected the will of god number 2 is the narrow path the will of god is the narrow path imagine a big river that splits into two one branch of the river is very wide and the other branch of the river very narrow where does most of the water go the wide part Because this is the path of least resistance. But God's will is oftentimes not the path of least resistance. Oftentimes, God's will is the narrow gate, is the difficult way. And that's why we have sometimes resistance to God's will. Because the church tells us we need to repent, and I don't want to repent. The church tells us I need to fast, I don't want to fast. The church tells us you need to, I, well, I'd rather just sit and play video games all day. And so this is against my will, but the will of God sometimes is the, the narrow gate. That's why we, sometimes we need to exhaust ourselves. Sometimes we need to deny ourselves. That's why our Lord says, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Doing the will of God requires conscious effort. Conscious effort. Doing the will of God requires watchfulness. It requires commitment. And that why, that's why, like, if one is not committed, and if one is not watchful, and if one is not consciously trying to do the will of God, guess what's going to happen? Which, which stream are they going to end up in? The wide or the narrow one? They're going to end up in the, narrow, uh, in the wide one. They have to be consciously choosing to choose the narrow one. And that's why to do the will of God, like we need to constantly, I hope this is our prayer, to be seeking the narrow path. Sometimes when I'm driving, I like to listen to sermons. And when I'm listening to sermons, I silence the GPS because every 10 seconds, my Google Maps will say, you need to turn left. And then, like, Batapta's sermon, like, 50 times. So what I do is I turn off the GPS, and I just listen. And then sometimes I get so into the sermon that 
I miss the, and then I get so frustrated. And I will say the 10 seconds that, and the interruptions that would have been like, now I have to lift, miss the exit, go back, pay two tolls, and come back and just. And I feel this is the same is true about the will of God. If you are not constantly seeking the will of God, you will miss the turns. You will miss this. That's why so important. Everyone has to be constantly listening to the voice of God in their life. Everyone must constantly thinking about the narrow gate. One example of the narrow gate is how the will of God calls us to endure tribulation. It calls us to endure tribulation. You just heard about St. Marina, the monk, how she endured all of the tribulations. That's the will of God. Believe it or not. That's the will of God. The uh, Catholic epistle today from First Peter, it says, But when you do good and suffer, if you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. You hear that? He says, if you do bad and you suffer, then (laughs) that's what you deserve. But he says, if you do good and suffer and you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. And he says, for this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Who committed no sin nor deceit was found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return, and when he suffered he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, whose by, by whose stripes you were healed. St. Peter is encouraging us to take the narrow, the narrow path to endure tribulation, even if we don't deserve it. And he says this is what Christ did. And similarly, in the Acts of today, if you paid attention to the Acts of today, it was about the prophet Agabus, who took the belt of St. Paul and tied his own hands and tied his feet. And he said to the group, thus says the Holy Spirit, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man and who owns this belt and deliver him to the hands of the Gentiles. And so all the people said, yeah, St. Paul, Haram, don't go. We love you. Don't do this. You don't have to go to Jerusalem. You can stay here. And St. Paul said to them, why, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? He says, for I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And then it says, when they could not be persuaded, you know what they said? They said, the will of the Lord be done. This is the will of God to endure tribulation. And the last thing that I want to say about the will of God is that the will of God is easily accessible. Sounds like the narrow gate, it should be difficult. But actually the narrow gate, very accessible. No matter how many wrong turns you do on the GPS log button, you go and you miss your exit and you do whatever. The The amazing thing about God is that even if something is way against His will, If we turn to Him, He can turn the disasters and the catastrophes 
into glory. And even the most heinous and evil and diabolical plan to murder the Son of God turned out to be for salvation. And that's why in the Gregorian liturgy we pray, we say, you turn the punishment into salvation. St. Paul says, where sin abounded, grace abounded, much more. Much more. Both David and Solomon, they committed atrocities. Not part of the will of God. They sinned beyond belief. But David showed us the power of repentance and how to offer repentance. And Solomon showed us, after living a life of sin and pleasure and lust and women and everything, showed us that all of this is vanity. All of this is vanity. The thief who was crucified because he was a sinner, his punishment, during his punishment, he had the opportunity to meet Christ, and that was for his salvation. So I'm not saying this to encourage you to sin and to say, oh, then God will turn it. No, because even David and Solomon and the thief, they paid a great price for their sins. But I want to show you that the will of God is very accessible. No matter how, long, how many turns you've taken in the wrong direction, you can always turn to God if you repent. The will of God is accessible because the will of God is also very, 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 very clear. The will of God is so clear because God is the God who communicates and gave us speech. And so one of the frustrating things that I always is, what is the will of God for me? And we always think like, we don't know and we don't where and God is so silent. But God is the one who created speech and created mouth and created expression. So if you want to know the will of God, you should ask God, and he will tell you the will of God. If you want to know the will of David, I'm not come and ask me, and I'll tell you what my will is. I want the deacons to come early. I want you as the fast. I want, yeah, yeah, I want a lot of things. Only, and I'll tell you. If you want to know what God's will is, ask him, and he will be able to tell you. I think one of the, the problems is, is that we worry too much about the details. And the other African proverb of today is that the devil is in, the devil is in the details. Oh, what am I going to do today, tomorrow, what am I going to do? And then all the words, like little things. But God's plan is big for your salvation. And he tells you, do not worry about the details. He said, the hairs of your head are numbered. Do not worry for tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry for itself. So all of those things should be in God's hands. If you want to know the will of God, trust and put your faith in God for all the little details. Let those go and trust that God will take care of you and provide for you. Worry about the big picture. Worry about your salvation and you'll find the rest of things falling into place. I hope remember these three things about the will of God. The will of God is for unification. The will of God is the, the narrow gate. And the will of God is accessible, accessible to all. And glory be to God forever. Amen. Yeah, I'm
Oh, eh, 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 eh,